Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is episode 11 with Sabrina Ziegler. and welcome back to another episode of Female Startup Club. The flavor of the hour today is a nifty brand called True Gum that produces all-natural, plastic-free chewing gum out of Denmark. And yes, I know exactly what you're thinking, and it is true. Chewing gum is plastic, and how gross is that? But the funny thing about this brand is that I actually spotted them in my favorite cafe in Geneva and bought a pack, loved it, searched it on Insta, and became an instant fangirl. They've got such a beautiful and educational Instagram, which is where I learned that chewing gum is plastic in it. And after I Googled the brand, I was happy to see that it has a female founder in the mix. And alas, that was pretty much how I got my intro to the brand. I got in touch on Insta and the rest is history. To put things into perspective, True Gum is now stocked in thousands of stores around Europe and the world and is producing up to 500 kilos of gum per day in their own factory. Anyway, enjoy the app. It's a goodie. This is Sabrina for Female Startup Club. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's get started. I want to go back to the very beginning and talk about what you were doing before True Gum and how True Gum came to mind. Yeah, yeah, it's a couple of years ago now. It's it's very weird to think about. Uh, but uh, so Peter and Morten, we are four people, uh, founded True Gum. And uh, Peter and Morten has the original idea. Um, and uh, they were just, I think it was back in 2016, just sitting and eating this uh, like wholesome meal and uh talking about uh, what was in chewing gum. They were sharing this pack of gum that was like pink or green or something that's very unusual for a food, uh, or at least then maybe only candy has this uh, type of colors. And uh, they were discussing what's actually in chewing gum because it stays on the streets and uh, it can stay there for quite some time. And uh, they were just Googling around and um, quickly find out that uh, it had some... Uh, petroleum uh, chemicals uh, inside which were in daily life called plastics and uh, they were like that's weird like why do you why would you make it like that um and uh, quickly they found out that of course uh, at some time point in uh, like early days chewing gum was made from uh, from actual gum from the gum trees and then uh, i don't know being you know curious as they were they were like yeah, maybe we can make it ourselves and uh, started searching for it. Like, how can you buy a gum base? And uh, is it like something that's only, um, uh, we purchase it, for instance, from uh, South America, but then they figured out there was lots of uh, gum trees around the world, like in Greece and Asia and so on. And uh, they just, you know, maybe a little bit naive, just got started. It's like, so let's buy some gum base uh, from one of these gum trees and just, try and put some flavor in it and, and see uh, how it's working and uh, try to figure out a recipe from their home kitchen. And at this time point, they were uh, still uh, you know, working, I don't know, 40, 50 hours in their daily jobs as well. So it was all during the night and the evening. Um, and then uh, I think they, of course, with their background, they have more commercial background than, than, uh, than I have. Uh, they were like, okay, there's also a business opportunity here. If this could succeed and you know, taste great, uh, and then they um, started looking at the markets and and see, okay, it could be that people would want to purchase this type of uh, chewing gum. But then uh, they did a lot of testing, and then eventually, along the way, uh, I think half a half a year later, in the beginning of 2017, uh, I came along um, together with the. The fourth uh, uh, as well, uh, Jacob. And uh, well, Jacob's background was very similar to Peter and Morton's background, uh, commercial background uh, from business school, uh, but with more economics, uh, uh, how do you say, perspective. And uh, I came along very, very randomly. Uh, I was just, uh, uh, they found me on LinkedIn, actually, which is... uh, Yay for LinkedIn. So I was uh, just out of the university. Uh, I studied uh, food science in uh, my bachelor's, and then I studied uh, human nutrition on my master's. And during this time uh, in uh, on, uh, my master's, I thought uh, so human nutrition can be used uh, anywhere in maybe, uh, how do you say, jobs like where you uh, – for instance, you have to eat more vegetables a day. And then the government goes out to people saying, okay, I have these guidelines. And then you could be one of these persons uh, making these guidelines. And I was like, no, this is not me. Uh, it's, it's way too boring. It's a lot of uh, computer work and and uh, studying for many, many years. And I was like, no, I, I have to do something more creative. And, and then I got a job, student job, uh, at a, a chocolate factory here in Denmark, actually. Um, and, uh, it's called Tom's Chocolate Factory. And 
then I got to be a R&D, like the development uh, assistant there. And I was like, got the, got to work with these uh, developers at the factory. And it was, it was so much fun and being creative. You could just like, what's trendy out there and, and you can put whatever you want into chocolates. And then I actually ended up doing my uh, uh, master's there and I did some probiotics uh, in chocolates and was so much fun uh, being there and being part of that. Um, and I was like, no, I have to do something else and uh, just sitting in front of a computer. I have to do something like, I don't know, uh, yeah, creative at least. And um, I write uh, stuff on my LinkedIn. So I was uh, working at the chocolate factory. I was in R&D work. And uh, then all of a sudden, this uh, two guys wrote me. So you've been developing uh, chocolates. And uh, so could it be kind of the same as chewing gum maybe? Because we need a hand. And I was like, oh, chewing gum. Well, how hard can it be? Let's Let's take a look at it. And uh, then we just met up at some uh, random cafe here in Copenhagen. And I was like, I was unemployed and just out of university. And I was like, yeah, let's, at least I can do something while I'm looking for a job. Uh, because at this time point, I didn't really think that it was going to be like a job, like a real job. And I was thinking, no, it could be something fun on the side, maybe. And uh, then I met with Peter and Morten and uh, we... Uh, sat down and they talked about their ideas and like this chewing gum could really be uh, a new way of looking at uh, the whole chewing gum category because people did not know that there was any uh, there was a plastic uh, in chewing gum i was like that's interesting i didn't know and i was educated within the food area at least and i should have maybe known that it contained these uh, artificial flavors and and so on and I was really hooked, and I was like, "This, this could be, this could get big. This, uh, this could really be a good uh, business opportunity as well." So we actually just got started, and and got a lot of samples, you know, just making kitchen uh, chewing gum, uh, and uh, it was everything was so sticky and messy, and really, really tough to work with. Nothing compared to uh, to chocolate. Chocolate is uh, way easier to work with, but Along the way, we were, okay, this is starting to, to taste okay a couple of months in. And um, we sat at these cafes and uh, were tasting a lot. And uh, then we went to some of the schools just to go to the canteen and hand out some samples and uh, just see what people thought. You know, it was, I think, some of the first, uh, you know, you need to get some feedback before actually uh, uh, hitting the right recipe for sure, especially with something uh, as chewing gum and, and the gum base itself didn't really have a very nice taste because it's, well, it comes from a tree. So you have to kind of modulate it a little bit. Um, but uh, I think then we just got a lot of feedback and a lot of the feedback that we got uh, to begin with was like, oh, it's kind of hard and well, it's, it doesn't have a lot of taste and uh Tastes a little bit like trees and stuff like that. And um, anyways, we uh, kept pushing through and uh, we just uh, got some new samples and talked to a lot of uh, experts, uh, which is a very long story, of course, but a uh, long story short uh, to begin with. Then we uh, found some companies in Denmark, actually, that made some flavors and uh, we kind of figured out uh, through them that uh, like how is the recipe actually because uh, chocolate and uh, candy and all these uh, hard candy for instance they have there's a lot of recipes uh, online and uh, for chewing gum it's very much of a secret uh, so we were struggling with actually getting the right recipe to get the texture right and the flavor right um, but then a company in Denmark actually uh, Stimerol, uh, I don't know if you know it, um, but they have been sold to Mandalay's now, but it was actually, it used to be Danish. And then we got actually some experts who actually used to work there in the 80s and 90s uh, to talk a little bit with us and share a little bit of their secrets. Um, yeah, and then Sooner or later, I should say that we we got a recipe that was actually working, and and 
of course, when I think about the the chewing gum we made back then was really, really horrible compared to now. It was not really edible, but <laughs> people were really sweet and uh, we had a lot of people people's feedback and and we just yeah kept on it's really trial and error so uh, that was kind of the beginning of the, the whole thing yeah and at that point you were still in the kitchen making it yourselves with the recipe that you got from the other company and the flavoring yeah exactly we got uh, all these things we just ordered for like private uh, pur- purpose we were not really a company back then we would just meet up at cafes and discuss it and we were Working firstly in Peter and Morton's kitchen, and uh, their poor roommate really hated it. So we took all the stuff uh, to my apartment, and uh, and then I was just yeah developing the the chewing gum from there uh, until we had to grow out of that and actually got some customers. But at this point, there was no customer. It was just trying to get the right recipe and and the raw materials right, and so on. And so how did you get the the first customers? What what did you did you start a website or I think uh, at this time point uh, we were all living in Copenhagen so uh, it was very uh, it was a very good place to start because there's a small uh, cafes and and very nice um, very nice uh, how do you say uh, like luxury brandings and so on and we could fit in very uh, nicely there um, together with these maybe a little bit more artsy things and we were located at museums as well which was also a very weird outlet but it was working Um, but the very first uh, customer actually was a small cafe in Copenhagen and uh, uh, it was actually a chain Um, so we could see an expansion uh, possibility there uh, but we just tested in one store just to see if people would actually buy it and if the pricing was right and so on. And at this time point, uh, the packaging was uh, very much different uh, than it is now. Uh, so people were, I think at this time point, people really didn't know if it was food or if it was, I don't know, something else. Uh, it was it was difficult for people to know because we didn't have any, uh, how do you say, uh, um nice footage uh, on the packaging or something like that. So we were missing quite some uh, some things at this time point. So it's been a lot of developing in that, but this was the first place to actually take it in was a small, small cafe in Copenhagen. And so did you just go in and like basically knock on the manager's door and, and you were like, hey, <laughs> can I sell this? Did you already have to have like a certification to sell an F&B product or... How did you go about that? Yeah, it's it's a uh, of course there's uh, at this time point we were already moved out of the kitchen actually uh, we uh, we moved uh, into a small place uh, because we were at this startup event uh, actually and we talked to a couple of guys there who started this uh, kitchen the kitchen company. Uh, where they made these like very natural uh, raw looking uh, kitchens and was very it's not anything to do with food but uh, but they discussed a lot about uh, how to do a startup and we had to get some ideas and how to you know not you know fall into uh, how do you say um, it's called a pit or like like going the wrong direction to begin with so we really uh, were trying to discuss this with them and uh, they uh, they said to us afterwards after this event that oh this is quite interesting you're you're trying to make a, a natural plastic free chewing gum that's not ever been seen out there is like uh, the first mover I think that was the, the thing that interested them and they were like so we have some space here we have some different uh, uh, engineers uh, sitting here and they were uh, how do you say like um, they were the first uh, investors in in our company, actually. Uh, so we moved all of our stuff there and made uh, their second uh, floor uh, completely, how do you say, um, uh, possible to produce uh, food stuff in. You, know, you had to have uh, like clean surfaces and all this stuff. So that was actually uh, where we produced. So they were also a strategic partner from. The kitchen point of view and the funding point of view definitely yeah they actually uh, 
there were part of the the funding was also to have very low rent because in Copenhagen it's very expensive uh, to to get a place uh, and we didn't want to go outside of Copenhagen yet it was way too early stage so we didn't know if it's going to be selling or anything at this time when we weren't selling yet so we really had to figure out to be a place where it could be approved, um, uh, authorized to uh, to produce food and uh, we had the, the Danish food authority they had to be able to come there check it out uh, and see everything is is made properly and uh, and then we could go from there to uh, kind of a more factory but at this time point it was definitely more kitchen scale than factory that's for sure but they got us uh, this very nice area we had maybe 16 square meters in their uh, second floor just to to have somewhere to have all our raw materials at this time point yeah and then we actually you know, back to the question was uh, actually uh, yeah we just knocked on the door and, and just so we had this chewing gum. We really like it. Hope you like it too, kind of. And and just uh, shook hands on a on a very short term agreement. So if they uh, got like I don't know maybe twenty packs for free, then uh, we could look at a deal if they could actually sell it. Uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely to begin with. It was very important for us to just get the feedback and have some uh, partners to. Uh, be able to get some good feedback from um, and the big change like supermarkets and such such things was impossible to get into at this time point it's uh, you have to kind of build a brand before actually getting into supermarkets for sure so the small cafes and, and museum was was a good place to start out and so was that the strategy you kind of stuck with all the small smaller kind of boutique stores and then you started your outreach to the bigger supermarkets or did they end up coming knocking on your door well actually uh, both but uh, but luckily our brand uh, because to begin with we had this very artsy idea of uh, the packaging and so on so our brand was very um, you couldn't people couldn't figure out if it was, if it was i don't know bandage or uh, birth control pills and we've heard so many different things and it's it was like ah oh, that's that's really not good. People should be able to look at the packaging and immediately know, okay, this is a chewing gum or at least know that it's a confectionery product. Um, so we also went through kind of a rebranding uh, to get the packaging that we have today. Well, actually multiple rebrandings, but uh, we have had uh, four different uh, looks uh, of our packaging. But uh, but when we finally got the right one, uh, then the supermarkets came knocking on our door uh, because we started selling better uh, in the small cafes. And Seven uh, Eleven in Denmark has, oh, I'm not really sure how many stores they have, but I don't know, maybe three or 400. Uh, and they are located in very nice places, especially in Copenhagen. And it's kind of the convenience store that you go to when you need to buy cigarettes or just like uh, going uh, with the train, you just go in to purchase uh, something to drink. And then if our gum, at that time point, we were in a really bad position uh, or a really bad spot in the in the shop. But if we would have been maybe at the cashiers, um, then for sure it would, it would have uh, sold better. But uh, but it is like chewing gum. It's uh, it's a tough thing tough thing to to uh, to sell if you're not at the at the registry because chewing gum is not something that you put on uh, on your grocery list. So when you're at the supermarkets, you need to be able to put yourself uh, in a in a very nice spot at the store, and uh, everybody knows that the chewing gum next to the cashiers that's all the big brands like Wrigley's and and so on. It's uh, it's almost impossible to to push them aside and 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 get something like ours at this time when we were very 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 small. So it would uh, would not be possible. So I think the strategy was correct uh, from our side to to start build up the brand in the small stores uh, and figure out if we were supposed to be like a small a uh, uh, small niche product or if we should go the supermarket way. I think for the first time. Uh, we discussed uh, with a supermarket chain was maybe uh, two years, uh, one and a half, two years into a project of uh, of True Gum because we were thinking about that. Okay, it's maybe more you know, the health stores uh, that that would want to sell our chewing gum, and and we were having these um, 
variants that were very like mint and matcha. You know, you always have this hint of a matcha, hint of turmeric and, and such things. So we were looking at more like health stores than supermarkets because we like, oh, maybe people don't really want this. They just want like spearmint or peppermint or something that's very ordinary. So it took us a long time to actually figure out that, okay, both the to grow business, you need to be in the supermarkets, but, but also people want to buy a natural product. They want the clean label and so on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And so in the beginning in that first year, compared to now, for example, to paint the perspective picture, how many like boxes of gum would, would you have sold in that first year? And how many do you sell now? Like what does the supermarket buy? Yeah, I think for the very first year, I think it was about zero packages we sold. Uh, then uh, it was all development. We really, we handed out a lot of, lot of samples, um, but we really didn't sell a lot. So, and that's during that year where we tried to uh, figure out what kind of packaging as well. And that's where we hit the right one uh, with the one that we have now. It, it took us almost a year. Uh, so it was alongside development of the chewing gum uh, recipe uh, as well. I think for the second year, maybe we, I think we produced, oh, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 kilos a day, maybe something like that. It was a very, very small, uh, small amount. So it was all uh, handmade. It sounds like a lot. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a lot. No, but uh, today we are actually producing about 500 kilos. So it's uh, it's growing uh, quite fast. It's really, uh, for chewing gum, It's um, I think at the first year we had, I don't know, 20, 30, uh, just for kind of testing and, and uh, trying to figure out like what is our brand, what is true gum and, and uh, where should it go because when we at the end of, uh, of 2018, 
I think that's where we we were in 7-Eleven, but figure out that convenience stores and health stores, that's definitely not enough. And uh, it could go around, you know, with the business, but uh, definitely it was not, we, we really wanted to, you know, be a successful alternative to uh, to Stimrol and Wrigley's and all these conventional gum uh, types out there. So we wanted to be in the same position in the store and we really to, wanted to build it into something uh, something bigger. And uh, and that's where, luckily for us, it was a very big success in a small um, uh, Danish uh, local uh, supermarket chain, which is very organic uh, and, and maybe the right customer uh, definitely uh, at this time point. And it was a very, very nice success. And then the bigger supermarket change uh, in, uh, in Denmark, they came knocking and said, okay, we can see your great success here. So we would like to try your mint and matcha for uh, uh, the next six months and let's see uh, where it goes. And, and then started a, a whole new uh, kind of true gum uh, of, of, uh, of our journey. When you went through the rebranding process, did you were there any challenges in trying to find packaging and kind of the visual message from what you would have in, say, a health food store versus what you would have in a really commercial supermarket? Definitely. It's been, uh, and I think uh, discussed this so many times because it's uh, it's very, very different. When we had our first packaging, for sure, it was uh, very artsy and very uh, uh, modern uh, look, like this very clean package. Uh, and it was a very simple text and very, uh, uh, it was very nice. It, it just didn't, uh, you couldn't really feel it. It was a, uh, it was something that you want to eat. It wasn't really, uh, how do you say, tasty looking, um, but it was working very, very well at museums and these uh, small uh, health stores because you knew that what you buy here is usually something that you can eat. Uh, and uh, when we went with this packaging into Seven uh, Eleven, that's uh, definitely where we figured out this packaging is not working. It's uh, people didn't know what it is, even if we were at the cashiers with which we weren't that back then, but even if we kept this uh, or stuck with this uh, packaging, I don't think we would have been a success. People would uh, not like take an extra look at it. Uh, it was not uh, it was not drawing focus uh, at the cashiers. And uh, as soon as we put on, for for instance, for the mint and matcha variant uh, or the uh, ginger variant, we put on the. Uh, actual photo of a mint leaf or the ginger root and all of a sudden people were like okay this is eatable it's uh, it's something for me to eat and then they actually already draw their focus to it and then pick up the packaging and say okay so if you take a look at it then you can see an ingredient list and so on and then they uh, kind of got intrigued so for sure when we went into supermarkets a whole new uh, discussion uh, came up because like which supermarkets because the first one that we got into the more organic and and um, people that are very focused on, on on what they eat and clean label and so on that was working perfectly with the with our idea of the brand and, and what we were trying to do so keep it very very clean label uh, so fewer uh, ingredients as possible was uh, was better and when we hit the shelves in a supermarket that is very classic so completely big store uh, in in Denmark we were discussing so this you know is it pricing and everything is that going to work in these types of stores is is people going to buy it if it's almost twice expensive as uh, the conventional gum out there uh, which is very tricky because People don't uh, spend a lot of money on these uh, convenience products. It's more like, uh, I need it, and I need a nice, uh, fresh um, uh, feeling in the mouth, but uh, is it that important that it's natural or clean label or vegan? And we were really scared, actually. We were, for sure. Uh, but uh, luckily, I think the, the rebranding of, of the chewing gum was definitely uh, important. Otherwise, we would not have... Uh, I, I, I don't think that people would have looked at it like twice in the in the supermarkets if we had the right image uh, of true gum for sure and when you guys have like started to grow and scale and obviously get these larger 
supermarket chains on board, have you also had to get new investment to be able to keep scaling or were you able to stick with your original factory and the kitchen and everything that you already had with the first round of investment? The first investment and also the money that we put in the, in the company, they would run out when we needed the, to, uh, to scale up production because uh, we have a production to begin with when we did maybe 10 kilos a day. Uh, well, even back when we did one kilo a, a day, uh, it was uh, handmade like all the way through. There was just the, you know, you got really strong because you have to knead the gum by yourself and, and, and you're like pulling and stretching like when you make a, a hard candy as well. And it's just, it's a tough job. And it's really, I, I was doing maybe at that time point before we got any machines at all, I got 400 grams per batch which was very hard because you were doing it by hand. So like really big arm muscles in, in that time period. Um, and I was like, no, this is not going to work. It's too tough. It's like when, when we, if we need uh, just like at this time when we had 10, 12 cafes uh, in Copenhagen uh, and was sort of like the, the, the change were not even, you know, in our minds uh, at this time point. But uh, when we discussed with 7-Eleven the first time, I was like, I was looking at the guys and they's like, yeah, they are very interested in 7-Eleven. It's like two, 300 stores around Denmark. I was like, no, that's not going to happen. I can't do that. <laughs> I could use like all my strength and energy to, to, to produce the gum. So we're like, okay, we have to take a look at machinery. Uh, we have to have some machines and something that's called a chewing gum machine. And we were like, no, I don't know. And we were Googling and discussing with some people that I know from the, the bachelor and my master's. And I was like, no. So there's something called a, a set blade kneader. I was like, okay, we have to figure out how to get this and how much it costs. And then we went to this machine fair in Germany, in Cologne, and it was a gigantic fair. And, and we were these tiny, small startup uh, people, and they were not laughing, but inside they probably were. Because every time we were looking at these machinery, we were like, Okay, so does this one-ton machine mixer thing, can they make, I don't know, a lab scale size one for us instead? Because it's like, this is way too big. We're not making a ton of chewing gum. It's crazy. So these machinery all of a sudden came on, on board and, and we were like, okay, so we have to discuss with some maybe a secondhand company or something like that. And all of a sudden we had to you know, figure out how do you make the gum when you're not just doing it by hand. And uh, and then this fair was definitely, it was a, it was a kickstart into our production setup German, German, um, journey. It was uh, it was crazy to, to see these big machinery that could make a ton per hour or something like that. And, and we were just searching for something that could do maybe two kilos per hour. It was, uh, it was insane, but from this fair, we got uh, good contacts and uh, we found a company that made uh, refurbishments of, uh, of machine machinery. And then uh, we figured out how to actually make it when it's not completely by hand. So we got kind of what is called a food process processor. Uh, it was uh, kneading the gum for us and we just had to figure out the mixing times and so on. And, and then at this time when we were still hand rolling uh, the gum into ropes and then we're cutting on it, cutting boards which was also insane i think we were four people always standing there in the kitchen just like sweating and you know, we're wearing gloves all the time and your fingers just like started to uh, peel off almost in these gloves and it was just it was really a tough time uh, producing chewing gum we were like oh why didn't we do i don't know chocolates or something else but uh, but it was also fun, like trying to get to know these uh, machines uh, as well, because of course at this time point we we knew that okay it could be a success, but we really have to power through uh, all of this because it's uh, the machinery is it's it's expensive, so we we have to do a lot by hand still. And but that was the the first machinery we got from that fair, and then uh, it was more or less a small tiny factory of the sixteen square meters. Uh, uh, on the second uh, floor in some old wooden building in, in Copenhagen. That was like the first. Uh, hmm. No, no, it was just the, then the, we knew after a while and we, we had to, to build a bigger factory and not be on the second floor because second floor is horrible, like lifting boxes up and lifting boxes uh, with chewing gum down and all of this. It was so much carrying and it was 
I think in the end of the the day where we were at the old place, it was maybe three tons a month going up and three tons going downstairs. It was horrible. So we had to go in something that was on the on ground level. So uh, so we moved actually uh, only last year in June. So we've been there. Uh, at the old place for quite some time. But uh, when we moved here, where we are now, actually, um, uh, we uh, we had to uh, get some investment. But I think for us, it was also important to like keep the the, the share uh, mostly between us. So, so keep all the, the percentage of the company between us four, uh, at least try to keep the majority. And we've been agreeing on that since the day one, I think. Um, but then we, we got uh, one investment from a guy uh, that uh, used to be uh, CEO of Stimerol when it was uh, actually in Denmark, which is uh, one of the largest uh, chewing gum brands in, uh, in Denmark, at least, and, uh, and, and quite a big part of Europe. So, uh, so when he uh, got in touch with us and he actually contacted us, he was very interested in what we were doing. And... So he had like 10 or 15 years of experience from a chewing gum factory and, and running the whole place. We were like, yeah, that's probably a good investment to 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 get in. So it was like uh, not only for the money, because, of course, at this time point, we could sell more uh, of our company and, and, and get more uh, 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 liquidity. Uh, but uh, I think this time point was also very important to get like, uh, to do the take the uh, clever choice or how you should say and, and also get somebody uh, enrolled in TrueGum kind of and say okay you you could also you know um, be a, quite a big part of this not only about the money you you have to kind of help us out and and you have the great contacts mm-hmm. and so on so so this was very important investment not only for the money definitely was also needed of course it's it's tough running a production and, and getting all the raw materials and machinery uh, it's tough but uh, i think this was also uh, great to have a, a good investment in in the people for sure and i want to talk about your cuz obviously you operate a lot of b2b dealing directly with your like supermarket customers and things like that but you're also direct to consumer and you can buy your gum online was that like that from the beginning or did you introduce that later on down the track and and you sort of thought to yourself okay let's market um b2c actually it started uh, like that uh, the first the uh before we even got into any cafes and so on we were uh, selling the chewing gum uh, online and uh, we made these uh, starter kits so we got one of each flavor at this time when I think it was actually two of each flavor. Uh, we had three flavors at this time, one the licorice, the ginger and the mint. And uh, to begin with, we thought, okay, one of each flavor, that's all. But the, uh, the costs of uh, sending it out was like eating up uh, the, the money we could actually uh, get from this uh, sale, these sales. And uh, so we, we ended up doing like two of each packs and then you could just like try it out uh, like once or you could B2C. subscribe. Um, at, uh, today we don't have any subscription online yet uh, or still, uh, but uh, we uh, we started with subscriptions and I think uh, we ended up maybe having 80, 82 subscriptions maybe, something like that. Uh, only Danish customers, of course, but uh, it was a uh, it was kind of good because sometimes then you could just write out to, to the emails and say, okay, uh, how do you like the new uh, ginger recipe? We changed it from today and just let us know kind of. And, and it was nice to get some feedback that was not only friends and family because uh, we only had friends and family to to get some feedback from. So subscription uh, of, uh, of True Gum was possible back then. And then uh, online sales is still, and I think uh, especially when people see our uh, our brand on Instagram, especially, then they uh, go to our webpage and, and and purchase it. Because now we also sell directly uh, to the con- uh, customer uh, in other countries. Um, yeah, it's a, it's also a way to get people to try it out. Yeah, for sure. Is your bigger um, where's your biggest market for online? Is it still where you are, or is it somewhere else in the world? No, it's uh, it's still uh, still in Denmark uh, for sure. With the online sales, that's uh, 
still biggest in Denmark. But I think these Corona days, I don't know if it's actually went up. I didn't talk to the guys if it actually did, but I think we're not selling that much online. It is very much uh, at the supermarkets, especially uh, those places where we are at the at the cashiers uh, registry and uh, and maybe even these. Uh, Uh, dumpers that's on the on the floor like you cannot really pass uh, through uh, the store without you know hitting them that's the perfect spot because uh, then you can really fall into true gum instead of uh, you know walking by the candy shelves and you would never even notice our chewing gum there so definitely chewing gum it has to be at the cashiers and when you like have those contracts with the supermarkets, how do you negotiate to be the brand that's at the register and the brand that's in those bumpers versus just being in the candy aisle? Mm, that's a uh, that's really a tough one. Uh, for sure, uh, the first uh, supermarket chain we were in uh, in Denmark, the more uh, organic focused uh, supermarket, uh, they really liked our chewing gum. So I think they had an agreement with the uh, Stimul. I'm actually not sure. Um, where Stimul probably would purchase this spot close to the registry. But uh, because they liked our brand and, and they liked us and we were the ones, you know, going out to the store and say, hey, wouldn't you want to have True Gum here instead? It fits your profile as a supermarket uh, as well, a lot better than Stimul. And we, of course, also uh, spend a lot of, lot of time, especially the first two, uh, two years to, to actually uh, educate people in so what is actually in chewing gum and did you know and all of these things so actually inform people on of their choices especially the store owner of uh, of Irma in Denmark which is the name of the of the stores they they were really shocked and they were, you could feel like they made it their course uh, to try and you know be part of this uh, plastic uh, free change which was also running very much uh, on uh, in Denmark uh, at this time point uh, plastic was uh, Plastic waste in general was very high in focus, uh, so which was also very, very lucky for our brand. I think uh, also pushing us forward yeah, in this uh, in this direction. So I think uh, for the shelves right now in the big supermarkets, I think we still uh, need to argue a lot and uh, to kind of make the store feel like they're also part of a big change, uh, especially in Denmark. Uh, but also worldwide, that we need to focus on get rid of plastics wherever we can. It's it's not really needed in chewing gum when you have this gum base, which is from the gum tree itself and is biodegradable. Uh, and uh, luckily, we have some very very good uh, uh, people in sales and marketing, so they really uh, they're doing an amazing job to actually push this forward because we cannot as a start a small startup company we don't really we can't really afford paying maybe i don't know two percent of our sales to to the stores and i think i'm not even even sure how how much the big companies like wrigley's and so on pay to be there but i think it's a lot definitely so it's not possible for us to pay us we pay pay for for the way into the shelves but Talk our way. That's uh, that's free of charge. Talk louder. Shout <laughs> and get your customers to shout. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about your Instagram because you touched on it before, and your marketing in general is just so on point. And I think um, you guys do such a great job at educating the customer into obviously the issues with chewing gum that we probably all never knew about before, and what goes into these kind of products. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that direction and, and has that been the direction from the beginning or you sort of realize the need to also educate the customer? Um, yeah, no, uh, for sure. It's, uh, uh, it's been uh, tricky to begin with, uh, like which uh, types of USPs did we want to work on? Because uh, to begin with, we were looking at, I don't know, five or six different uh, USPs that we really want to highlight and all the time use on, on social media and so on. Uh, but I think to begin with, we used natural a lot uh, because people were very focused on natural products and these uh, also like raw materials, a clean label and, and such things. But then came the whole vegan and then we changed it a little bit. It's like, oh, how about the vegan? And then, okay, we have to focus a little bit more on that. And uh, 
it's always a little bit messy to begin with, I think. And I think for, for most people, especially also in, in food branding, it's very tricky to know like what is the people's focus and, and what should our focus then be. And uh, and I th- thought we, we had an amazing product. And to begin with, we're like, okay, so can we call it plastic free? And, and what is plastic in, uh, how do you say, the, the common uh, way of, of talking about plastic is the same plastic that goes into chewing gum, uh, maybe 10 or 15% of it. It's uh, it's the same that goes into car tires and, and plastic bottles and so on. So we're like, okay, we, we have to call it plastic. So it's also something about the legal stuff to how how is it allowed to say something is free from, uh, you have a lot of free from uh, kind of uh, foods out there. And some of them are legal and some of them are not. So definitely also took us some time to to like dig into what can we actually say and then we ended up uh, these days especially uh, it's uh, a lot of focus on plastic and plastic waste and we figured out along the way especially the first year year and a half that people were very much focused on this plastic free and not so much that it was natural ingredients and so on because kind of the branding itself they thought, oh, they will look at it once, twice, and they were like, yeah, of course it's natural. And they even thought it was organic as well. And uh, and we cannot actually be organic, but they thought, yeah, it's natural, organic, because it's true gum. And uh, after that, we realized this is uh, be a little bit more bold. And then we went with uh, with plastic free. And this is kind of a uh, hopefully maybe uh, where we uh, where we ended up and and. Uh, kind of the strongest USP that we have. It's definitely plastic-free. Because all the other things, they just kind of tag along with the plastic-free message. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's so cool. I really love what you're doing. And I think it's just such an amazing um, product that I'd never even thought about before. And to innovate in an industry that's kind of out of mind, it it must be quite thrilling, actually. Um, I wanted to ask you about the impact of what's happening at the moment with COVID-19 and, and whether it's impacted the way that you're working with your team or with your factory. I know we kind of spoke about it before the podcast technically started, but if we could circle back. <laughs> Hopefully just increasing uh, production, but uh, definitely right now we can see setback, especially our biggest uh, uh, chain in uh, Germany, DM. Definitely, because they have been uh, on lockdown for such a long time, you can see the sales are decreasing a lot, like 60 70% or something like that. And, of course, that has some in- impact when you're producing yourselves because you have staff that you uh, would want to keep and, and all these things. But luckily for us, we have a lot of solidarity here in, in, in Trugom and people are really helping, you know, from uh, both the operators in production up till the uh, uh, us the the owners to to actually get this through this uh, through this rough patch or how you should say so so for sure it's uh, has quite an impact on production company and and especially when we have our own production here in Denmark but definitely you can already see that the sales are going a little bit up now which is great and and actually today was quite a big news uh, in in uh, in the office because uh, we just. Uh, Got 1,200 new stores in uh, Austria, so hopefully soon, uh, yeah, everything is going to go well, which was quite amazing because right now we didn't think that, you know, we've been not really focusing on sales that much. And we've, of course, had a lot of time to be on Instagram and Facebook and all these social medias, but we haven't really been able to discuss a lot of sales opportunities out there because people are like now holding a little bit back. And and, uh, so this was really great news. and then. I know for sure this is uh, it's going to work out in the end for sure. And so, you know, just one last question on this. If you're producing like 500 kilos in a day and now you have like another 1,200 stores that have just signed on, for example, how many packets of gum is that in a year? Like how many? It's a lot. It's it's a lot and it's really scary numbers. I remember when we did our first uh, uh, marketing campaign and, and uh, videos and so on to to promote uh, Trugum and uh, Peter uh, he was he's in charge of marketing and he was running up these numbers from all these statistics 
in it's completely insane how much ends up on the on the streets and the sidewalks and then people from the uh, government they had to you know come and scrape it off from the from the sidewalks because otherwise it will stay there forever and look really bad then it ends up in ends up in sewers ends up in the ocean and then it ends up in our food chain all over again because the fish they eat it and it's it's a horrible story it's uh, it's a lot of plastic it's uh, it's insane uh, yeah it's crazy when you think about those kind of numbers and it puts it into perspective how much um, plastic must be coming from chewing gum on the roads and in the in the ocean it's really scary and I'm conscious that we've already been talking for an hour but I just want to quickly quickly go back to the marketing and see um, sort of what your marketing strategy has been to grow your your um, direct to consumer base and what kind of efforts are working for you at the moment with those channels in general for our marketing we haven't really because we're producing ourselves and, and have the factory i think uh, we we spend a lot of money on on production equipment and uh, raw materials because we have to buy the gum base from south america and it's it takes a while before it gets here and, you know all of our money is tied up in in raw materials and production in general so we haven't really spent a lot of money in, in the marketing um area so we uh, what we do is is mainly keep people informed through uh, social media and so on. I think we Peter especially he spends a lot of time uh, getting these um, behind the scenes uh, kind of footage and uh, videos from our productions. Like keep everything as see through as possible because then for the consumer at least it's uh, it's better than one big you know billboard somewhere where you can see oh stimerol and get fresh. Uh, I don't know, airwaves through your mouth and everything is kind of synthetic. And uh, here you can show people how it's done and we don't have anything to hide. So I think everything has been very kind of organic growth from the beginning and it's uh, it's still working that way. We don't really have big budget for, for uh, marketing or we use some money, of course, on Facebook ads and so on, but we don't really put the money there. And I think... I'm to blame maybe because I'm using all the money in production uh, in, uh, instead. But yeah, it's uh, it's very, uh, it goes to uh, normal social media and, and, and so on. So, and luckily it's still, it's it's working because I think the message is quite, uh, how do you say? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a strong message. <laughs> strong message. Yeah, exactly. So it uh, people, they, they talk about it. So that's, uh, that's amazing. Do you have any advice for other women who might be wanting to get into the startup scene and um, sort of jump into the sustainability sort of businesses or um, just producing in the F&B space at all in general? For me, the most important thing has been to just, you know, catch the day and and if there's problems, just like stay uh, happy and and focus on uh, solving the problem and and just the... work through the tough patch, uh, the rough patches, uh, that, because there will be rough patches when you have your own production or if there's somebody out there who, who wants to, to produce their own, uh, it doesn't even matter if it's food or, uh, I don't know, something else completely d- uh, different. It's uh, There's going to be a lot of rough patches and there's going to be a heavy lifting uh, phases and uh, there's going to be uh, a lot of tough uh, uh, long hours and you, you really have to just push through and really the, the the best advice is to to find the right team because uh, a lot of people can also do it alone and i'm really you know taking my hat off from for for those people because we've been four people and i could not imagine that we've been only one or two people there's been so much work and and you need to you definitely need uh, different areas of expertise, and and uh, with my food background, uh, and I like chemistry and all these nerdy nerdy things, and and the guys with the commercial background, and they just they know where to 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 get the right people and and how to uh, how do you know sweet talk uh, all these supermarket chains and so on. You you need all aspects uh, if you want to to grow a food company and, and be a success so definitely look at uh, look at your team and if you're missing somebody just spend some time on yeah figuring out who uh, who your teammate should be lovely and the last thing i do with every uh, woman that i interview is six quick questions it's a quick fire round 
Um, you might have seen them in the last episodes. So number one is what's your why? What's my why? Ooh. It's a, it's very tricky. I think uh, for me it has been just to I have to be able to make a change and the big uh, chocolate factory I was working at before is just big uh, commercialized business and it was just not for me. I couldn't make a difference because I was just I don't know, kind of redoing things sometimes. Uh, I think for me it's been to actually start from scratch and see where it can go to to actually make a change and and not feel like uh, every day is the same. I really love that every day is is different. What's the number one strategy or marketing moment that made your business pop? That's also tricky. Um, For sure, uh, we were very lucky that kind of the uh, change in focus, uh, like people's focus, they were really focused on natural and, and plastic free and so on. We were really lucky uh, to, to hit the right uh, kind of the, the right thing there. Um, but I think uh, one thing, uh, no, it must be that the, the, the growing uh, focus on, on what you actually eat, uh, that's uh, what made our business pop and, Maybe the rebranding was kind of important. <laughs> Where do you hang out to get smarter? Well, when I'm not spending all my time in the factory, uh, these days at least, then I I think I started out like using a lot of time on uh, YouTube and like watching uh, how it's made kind of uh, videos and so on and, and uh, listen to a lot of uh, great podcasts and like the the Good Foodies podcast is really great. Uh, I think it's a British podcast, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, it's really great. Uh, number four is how do you win the day? I love these questions. Um, yeah, I think uh, for me it's been quite important, uh, like with good food and uh, yeah, doing yoga, for instance. That's really uh, whenever there was the time there was – you know, a period in uh, in Trugum's history where there was no time for anything. We slept maybe four hours and just like worked all the time. It was it was of course tough because it was a tough job, you know, lifting a lot and so on. But it's especially tough because when you don't eat properly and and exercise, that's you don't have the strength or energy to actually stay happy and healthy and and actually focusing on your goals for the day. So I think like good food and yoga, that's probably. Uh, my recipe (laughs) question number five is if you only had one thousand dollars left in the business bank account what would you spend it on yeah that one uh, is really that's uh, for me it's like i don't know first panic (laughs) that's uh, that's the first thing and then i think you have to just like stop production immediately because that costs way too much but i think if i had a thousand left on my account you would have to spend it on first a lot of samples so we could go out still meet the people and fairs and and spend a lot of time uh, these uh, food fairs and and talking to the consumer and and so on and then maybe the rest of the money would have to go in uh, in uh, social media and uh, and facebook ads and and getting people to know us and last and final question is how do you deal with failure and that can be either a specific example or just your general approach and your mindset towards it. With failure, because of course there's a lot of failure, especially in startup, and and you do things, you know. Also, even you can fail in in the same thing twice sometimes because you're like, no, this time it's gonna work. Um, but it's like first thing is just like don't blame anybody because it's not worth it. And if you're like we are four people, and it could be you cannot really go blame anybody. So it's like. Don't blame anybody and, and kind of feel the sense of urgency and, and act upon it um, and just like get the job done. That's, uh, you know, you learn from your mistakes. So that's, I think you have to feel like it's a kind of fun to learn from your mistakes when you're in a startup. You cannot really, you know, sit down and cry about it. So it's like, you know, sense of urgency and then just get it done, get it done because uh, nobody's going to do it for you. So, yeah. Absolutely. That's true. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I just want to get the specifics of where people can find you if they want to look you up on Instagram or LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. I'm really not uh, much on Instagram, but definitely uh, 
you can uh, get the True Gum on uh, Instagram, just like True Gum, small letters, and on Facebook, it's completely the same. But if it's me, uh, just like if you have any questions or anything at all, you can also write my email. It's completely okay. It's like Sabrina Snigley at TrueGum.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. No, thank you. Thank you for letting me be on your show. It's amazing. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash hype club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. (laughs) 